Peter saying this, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Why am I here? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man shining, in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. And here's the bit I don't want us to miss. Now we are all here in the presence of God. We are all here in the presence of God. We are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All of the prophets testify about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the non-Jews. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and then they asked Peter to stay with them. Chapter 11. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised people and ate with them? Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice, get up Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice spoke from heaven, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was pulled up to heaven. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. 
These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who was I to think that I could oppose God? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then God has granted even the non-Jews repentance unto life. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, though, from Cyrus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was on them, was with them, and great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of, the, news of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad. And this is a really bad translation, the English translation. I'll explain why in a minute. And encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for the whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. The disciples, each according to their ability, decided to provide help for those living in Judah. And this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. That is a lot to read. But the most important part of this whole passage and it's brought up again and again and again and again, is Cornelius, you knew. You know what's happened. You've seen it. You've heard it. You just haven't experienced it yet. And I want you to experience it. I want you to believe in him and receive the forgiveness of sins. I want you to believe, Cornelius, One of the beautiful things about Michelle was that every single person on that beach had no choice whatsoever about whether they would have a conversation about Jesus. No choice. It just happened. And everyone that I have interacted with in this local area knows who she is and Steve. Um, the, other, the other day, and I'll tell this extended story at the funeral, but the other day I was at their place and I had a sense that I needed to pick up a certain book off the bookshelf and read it. And, and I thought, okay, sure, I'll read it. Uh, and in the midst of this book were all these annotations from Michelle about the things that she loved and the life verses that she had for herself and all of these other things. But the thing that was consistently underlined again and again and again was, I need to tell people about him. That's my mission, that's my point, that's my purpose of being here. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so in a moment, Louis is just going to play. And then we're going to come back to some questions. Let me pray before we do that. 
Father, there's a lot in that verse. And I just pray, Lord, even in the midst of this moment and in the midst of the song in a moment and in the midst of the questions in a little while, that you would just land something in our hearts. That's your work. That's what you only can do. Speaking to every single one of our hearts, Lord. Jesus, 
Jesus, sing it out. There's no other name exalted in this place. Just be raw before him, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There's no other one, no other one but you, Jesus. That's all you can sing. Jesus, Jesus. There's no other one exalted in this place. Jesus, Jesus. There's no other one, no other one but you. There's no other one. There's no other one, no other one but you. There's no other one, no other one but you. In verse 33 it says, We're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Are we here to hear from him? I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about, but are we here on planet Earth to hear from him? These questions might get progressively more convicting over time. They certainly are for me as God wrote them. But are we here to hear from him? Are we here to hear from culture or the ABC News channel or, God forbid, the project or whatever else? Are we here to hear from him? Do we know about Jesus or do we know him? I left church at 16 because I knew about him. I didn't know him. I wouldn't know him for another year and a half, two years after that. Cornelius already knew about Jesus. He'd heard the stories. He'd heard the murmurings in the marketplace. He knew about this guy named Jesus, but it was only when he believed that he knew him. He knew him. So the question is, do we believe in Jesus? That everyone, in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's in a beautiful promise. Forgiveness, gone, white clean, was like scarlet, now white as snow, right? Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. At the end of verse 18, it talks about God has granted even to those who aren't Jewish repentance unto life. That word repentance, you can translate it however you want, but essentially it means turning from one direction and going the other way. Have we turned? Have we turned towards the Lord? They believed and they turned towards the Lord. And I think so often this is the second part, the turning towards the Lord is a bit we all miss. We like the believing and the forgiveness and all those things, but he loves us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants us to become more and more like him. And that's not a works thing. That's not a thing we will ourselves to do. 
but if we've been the same for 10 years, there's a problem with that. If we're not any more like Jesus, there is a problem. And he's inviting us. He's inviting us to turn towards him today. What comes out so strongly here as well is there's no favoritism in this message. It's not like the goody two-shoes people get all the goods, right? It's not he who has the most toys wins. It's not he who has done the least stupid things in their life gets the better things, right? There's no favoritism. It's a message for all people, for all time. That all have an opportunity to be forgiven by the one who will sit on the judgment seat. Every single person. And Hector, have you put up that picture that's on below the Bible reading? Apologies for that feedback. This is verse 23. And I'm never going to do this again, probably. Um, But if you can't read that, that's all right. I only point this out because there are times where the English translation really fails. And this is an important time where it really fails. Um, So the English translation says, and when he arrived, it's talking about Barnabas, and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad. So that's good. Uh, That's correct. And the English translation says, and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That is not what it says in the original translation at all. At all. What it actually says, and I broke it down for you, no one needs to know Greek. Literally, word for word, it is translated, and called them to all the setting forth before as an offering, the heart, and continuing to do it towards the Lord. Now, I'm going to put that in better English. That And calling them all to set their hearts before the Lord as an offering and continuing in this. He's not saying they're all in with all their hearts. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, they placed their hearts. Here is an altar. I'm placing my heart at the altar. And I'm doing everything I possibly can to keep it there. And every time it goes off the altar, I'm picking it up and putting it back on. That word, the setting forth word, is the same word as the word for consecrated bread. If you think about that story of David and Samuel, uh, where he's going into the temple because he's starving and he, needs, he goes in and eats the consecrated bread that's in front of the altar, that's the same word in the Greek. It's a word picture for something that's been placed before God as an offering. And so what he's saying is, Everyone is calling them to set our hearts before God as an offering. Our hearts are anywhere but God most of the time, right? And yet there is a very convicting invitation to go wherever it is right now that I just place it in surrender before God. And any time it moves, that I place it back there again. There'll be things like David who wants to steal it from the altar, you know, but he's inviting us to keep our hearts there. He's inviting us not to move from there. That that is our heart's home. That every time it's not there, it doesn't make sense. Augustine Right, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you, a church father. 
until it's there, it's restless. It's chasing after a million other things. But it's here. It's at rest. And it's at peace. The men's group are going through Colossians at the moment. And Colossians 3, 1 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, which if you believe in him, you have been. As crazy as that reality is. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set, it's a verb, set down, in this case, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you also will appear with him in glory. So these questions again. Are we here to hear from him? On planet Earth, I mean. Do we know about him or do we know him? Do we know him? Do we believe in Jesus? Have we turned towards him? We don't have to worry about being bad because there's no favoritism at all. You can be the most messed up person on planet Earth and the answer is yes from him. And is our heart placed before the Lord and are we abiding there? It's that John 15 image, abide in me as I in you. I'm just, I'm just here. And I love that passage, if you put it up again, the idea is keeping it there, letting it remain there, allowing it to be there. It's an active verb. Continue in this, continue placing it, continue placing it, continue placing it as an offering. In a moment, we're moving into communion. The last time I did this, I was sitting next to Michelle. And someone said, I don't remember who it was, but someone said that um, it's bittersweet knowing that you're doing communion with someone who might actually hear the words. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. 27, then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, a new relationship which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Communion is a really beautiful thing. How it came about is not beautiful. It's gruesome and horrible and horrific. And the fact that crucifixion was even a thing is just horrendous. But it's a beautiful sign of 
a very deep, 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 deep love. That God would leave heaven and come to earth, which just is banal, like that's just silly. That the creator would go into the creation. But he did it. And not only did he go into the creation, he decided to die for the things that he created. It was like Steve Jobs dying for an iPhone. That's really makes sense. But seriously, he came and he died for us. And he did it for a specific purpose, which is here and was in the purse before, for, for the forgiveness of sins. That he died that we would be forgiven and that in being forgiven that we could stand in the presence of God completely okay with him. And so as we take this in a moment, we remember his body that was broken and his blood that was spilled for us. That we don't have to be perfect, that we don't have to do five things that God loves but that he loved his son and he, he put him on the altar for us. And so let me pray as we enter this. Father, the way you've set this up with all of the questions... There's an invitation to all of us to just reflect right now how unworthy we are to even be here. And yet to equally and even in a greater way reflect how just blessed we are to be here, God. Not in the hashtag blessed rubbish way, but in just the graciousness of you. That God, that you would enter your creation. That that enough is just unbelievable. But God, that you would take all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our shame on yourself and that you would put it to death. That it would be finished. It would be done. That there would no longer be a separation between the creator and the creation. That we can relate to you. But Father, that relationship requires faith in you belief that you exist and there's an invitation to turn to you to place our hearts before you as broken and messed up and just dark as they are to place them before you that you might forgive us and bring us into new life and a new relationship with you And Father, we just take a moment to just reflect on that. Leading God this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd encourage you strongly just to stay seated for a minute and then come up. Don't rush ahead. Don't rush what God might want to say to you this morning. Let God just speak. And then in, in your own time, then come.
sin <clears throat> that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all His body the bread His blood the so amazing Jesus Messiah name above all names blessed redeemer Emmanuel Rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. All our hope is in. Messiah, name above all names, 
Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, sing with us, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, He's the Lord of all, Lord of Let's string together as a sign will proclaim his death till he returns. Father, we just come before you grateful that no matter what is going on in life, that you know it and you've covered it. Lord, that whatever brokenness is true of us, that it's forgiven in your son, Jesus. And Father, I just pray that if there's people here today who are holding on to things that you've already forgiven, even in this moment, Lord, we just open our hands and we give them to you. We have no business holding on to those things any longer. He said it's finished, so it's finished. And Father, if we walk out of here today thinking that we need to be perfect, we've missed it. Your invitation is to a relationship with you. So we thank you for that. And Father, in a moment as we take up the offering, we're reminded at the end of that chapter in Acts that we read that there was a need and the people, according to their abilities, gave to that need, that the need might be met. And so Father, according to our abilities here, may we meet needs that we don't even know about today. That as we give, we're giving to a higher purpose that the son of Jesus would be known throughout the world. And so, Father, work even in the midst of this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.